Cue the music. Oh, there it is. The soundtrack of Yes Shift of two years. Two years, Stephen. What do you think of that? Yeah, two years of this father-son podcast. And yeah, I'm Stephen the son. You're, you're Dan the dad. Um, Stephen's much more mature. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, two years. And I remember this used to be in audio. Well, we back when we pre-recorded the first several episodes, I was kind of thinking that it would just be audio. But then, like a traditional we, podcast. Yeah, but then before we put out the third episode, you're like, let's make a video, and we ended up doing that. Which, um, and I think. I was kind of hesitant at first, but Why? in the long run, it turned... Why? Well, Everything I... on Drum Talk TV is video. Why were you hesitant? Well, I don't know. I guess I was just used to audio at that point, and it just seemed easier. But in the long run, it's been a good opportunity to show graphics and to show the people we've interviewed. So I, I think you made the a good call there. Do you know why? Uh, why? Because drummers are fucking smart. <laughs> yeah, that's worth worthy of laughing at. Um, so I, I have a question. Is today... So Stephen and I don't really talk about the episodes before we do them, other than decide on what we're going to do for each episode. Is today the actual anniversary, Ju July 11th? Of when we put out our first episode or two, yeah. So do you know what the family significance is of this date? Well, it's seven, It's free Slurpee Day, obviously. No, I'm kidding. Um, it is. I mean, it is, but also, wasn't it um, Grandma and Grandpa, your parents' anniversary? That's right, and I think Grandpa was up to something knowing that it was free Slurpee Day. Oh, uh, so then it'd be, like, easy to remember. <laughs> Did they have 7-Elevens back in 1959? They would have been married 64 years. I'm Googling it right now. Um, but my yeah, dad... They Kicked so, my mom out after three years. No, I'm kidding. They're both <laughs> passed, but they stayed married their whole life since uh, they were together since they were 16 and got married when they were, my dad was 19, grandma was 18. It was 1959. She wasn't 19 yet. So that was 64 years ago. But yeah, when did 7-Eleven start? Yeah, it started in 1927. He apparently. was up to something then, for sure. <laughs> so folks, chime in. We're going to talk yeah. about, we're going to reminisce a little bit and have some new news yeah. as well. Um, and this well, it's it's more like, um, well, some of this is like product review tied to a couple Yes Men birthdays and also talking about the experience of going to a music store. I recently got a few things, so we'll talk about what that's like. And I've also got a few highlights from the John Anderson Q&A that I uh, ah. attended a few weeks ago. Cool. So, but we'll, 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 talk we'll also about um, tease like a, some of the things coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's talk. Let's start backwards back in the old days. So when we started this two years ago, the show had a different name. Can I talk about that real briefly? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> So, and I and just I I don't regret the name change. It made for a funny anecdote, and I think in the long run, it I don't know if like we would have gotten all the interviews we got if we'd stayed with the original name. You know that that's a fair point. But let's talk about first how the show started, 
since right. this is an anniversary show. So Steve and I are huge Yes fans. Um, I started listening to Yes in 1971 with Fragile, and I met and became friends with Alan White in 1989, long before I thought of Drum Talk TV, which is the largest online uh, music media company covering the world of drumming, which subsequently he was on many times, huge supporter. And Steve and I, Steve came out of the womb literally listening to Yes. I used to rock him to sleep listening to and me singing Heart of the Sunrise. Um, Steve's the youngest of my wife and I's combined 11 kids. And so he and I used to talk about Yes all the time. And one day it occurred to me in the middle of a conversation, I remember where I was standing in my kitchen and I said, why don't we do a show about this? And, and you said, really, you would do that? I said, yeah, why not? We're, we're already doing it. Why not just turn some technology on and just do it? So that's, uh, that's how the show started. Um, and and <laughs> he said, so what do we call it? And I said, well, we talk about yes shit, so let's call it yes shit. And we'll tie the two words together like yes songs, yes shows. So it actually started as yes shit. And some people lost their minds, including <laughs> our friend and um, returning guest, Mike Tiano, who was a longtime publisher, editor of um, Notes from the Edge, just railed me. So normally I wouldn't do this. I've got a pretty strong backbone. And my wife, Anja, was surprised that I caved in and said, okay. Let's change the name. And Steve, in all his brilliance, I'm going to fix my camera, said, let's just change one letter and add an F and call it Yes Shift, since the band is like an institution and has gone through many changes and shifts throughout the decades. So that, that's how it became Yes Shift. And as Steve just pointed out, something I never thought about, we might not have gotten all the guests. I don't know. Maybe there's guests we would have gotten sooner, like Rick Wakeman, if we called it Yes Shit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But sometimes, once in a while, uh, someone not familiar with the show will see an ad and they'll say, it looks like it says Yes Shift. And I'll kind of like laugh internally because <laughs> it's like, I mean, it originally was. But yeah. yeah. Um, but um, something you reminded me of with the. Uh, name and obviously things are copacetic with between us and everyone who's like you know against it and it's all cool now and yeah i, I love the name the that we have now but um you know uh, in the mirror to the sky uh blu-ray art book thing that i got a couple weeks ago um i read through the essay about it you know with the interviews and stuff and the golly brothers did a great job with this but yeah. something that caught my eye was when they talk about the when they start talking about the fourth song on their living out their dream it says yes shift into rock and roll honky tonk overdrive for the how downs penned living out their dream wow so, nice of us to get a shout out yeah so i yeah maybe that is a shout out there um it's a great essay um it talks you know, that song, uh, Steve kind of gets a kick out of uh, Steve Howe, out of how the song ends with like that long, that line about no happiness and kind of like a funny thing. And I can appreciate that, even though we weren't sure about the song's placement in the 
tracklisting. Right. But um, yeah, it's a great essay, and uh, and we something... plan on having the Gottlieb brothers on. Yeah, like we're gonna ask them. So uh, something I didn't do during the unboxing because I was just so focused on being careful with everything is um well i later discovered and someone might point this out that there's a poster on the inside of mirror oh. to sky poster so i'll just open get that, that thing up. framed yeah i'll sign it dan <laughs> yeah. from yes shift yeah so oh that's beautiful it's, it's a gorgeous cover yeah and and we plan on having roger dean on we have a Roger Dean documentary that we made that's coming out soon. Yeah, Roger and Freya Dean's art. Um, right. Yeah. We hopefully um, would have had them on when we did it, but unfortunately Roger's mother passed shortly before we went to San Francisco to film it. We were still able to film our documentary at the gallery, and we hope to link up with Roger and Freya uh, to have them on the show. But let's go back to our two-year anniversary and how the show has morphed. Um, did you ever think from the beginning that we would have guests on, let alone the guests we've had? Yeah, I, I think we've talked about this a while ago. Like I knew we'd try to get guests. I just didn't know we'd, we would have had this many by now, let alone the diverse uh, set of guests we've gotten, like Dave Kersner, whose birthday was yesterday, Claire Hamill, Annie Haslam. Um, Dave Watkinson. Yeah. Mr. Mulrain, who's put out a wonderful new... Oh, Kevin Mulrain. Yeah. Mulrain, sorry. Yeah. Um, Oliver Wakeman twice, yeah. Billy Sherwood, Steve House, Steve Hackett, Mike Tiano a couple times from Notes of the Edge, um, Tom Brislin. Yeah. Bill Bruford. Bill fucking Bruford, I'm pretty sure, is his <laughs> middle name. Um, for me, I mean, that's huge. As a drummer and Fragile being my introduction to Yes in 1971, to have Bill on meant so much to me personally. Um, and we simulcast on Drum Talk TV and Yes Shit, Yes Shift at the same time. Um, who, who else have we had on? I don't want to leave anybody out. Uh, Joe yeah, Cass, who we've got something special coming up. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, we had... Um, um, Guys from Awaken. Yeah, Bone and Sarah, the drummer from Awaken. And yeah, we've had a bunch of guests. And sorry if we're Claire leaving some out. It's just been like a lot. But yeah, yeah, we appreciate like all that we've had, like all the guests that we've had. And there are more to come, which I guess we'll mention at the end, if that's how you want to do it. Or Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some we're still pursuing. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of people in the periphery of the Yes Camp. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. You know, we, this is a passion project. We don't sell ads. We don't monetize it in any way. However, there was a donate button on anger.fm slash yes shift, just so you know, but it's not like our business. Steve works with me with, uh, drum talk TV, a company I founded 10 and a half years ago. Steve's a producer. He's also the chief content distribution officer. That's our main gig. Um, and this is just something we do because we love the band. It's a fun way to spend time together. We were doing it anyway. So I said, let's just integrate some technology and share it and have other people talk about it as well. Um, my my screen is too small where the comments are. Can you read that comment, please? Yeah, Gina Casulo says- Gina, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, watching from Florida, I remember you had a great interview with Billy Sherwood as well. 
Thank you. Yeah, he went deeper than I think either of us expected. We were kind of surprised where that went. I asked that one question where I said, can you give us, I, I'm paraphrasing myself probably. Yeah. Can you give us an overview on how your relationship with Yes began? And he told the whole story from beginning to the that day of the interview, basically. Yeah, he basically. He just unloaded... Um, was close to, if not at tears a couple times. It was extremely touching uh, through the talk tour years, open your eyes, the ladder. Um, yeah, Chris keys, always saying, Chris, this is going to be great. Like, yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. It, it, people have said that's the best interview of any Yes member ever. And that, that just, you know, as such a Yes fan, really touched my heart. So thank you. Um, it's yeah. it's been fun. It's been a fun two years. I can't believe it's been two years. Right. You sure it's two years? Is that two month anniversary? Because <laughs> time gets warped. Yeah, Tempest Fugit. Yeah, but just um, bizarre. Yeah. So let um, let's just ask a couple questions of each other, and then okay. we'll move on. Okay. Yeah. So, what's maybe the most surprising thing that has come up from the show? that you learned about the yes verse that you didn't know before? Oh, that we learned about the yes verse. Um, that maybe came out in an interview or Yeah, I, I, I got it. The When we had Max Hunt from Fragile on here, he talked about how uh, he, like the possibility of him maybe being the keyboardist of Yes, after the hiatus, like he and Steve Howe, I guess, talked. Give and... a time context for everybody. Yeah, so that would have been, I, I'm guessing 2007-ish. Uh, I know by two, early 2008, they announced Oliver Wakeman. But um, yeah, like Max uh, knew Steve Howe, and I guess they had talked. And uh, the band or the management, I don't remember, like, the exact details. It's a good interview. People can check it out later. But uh, yeah, that was a detail I didn't really expect because you think of the yes keyboardists, you know, if Rick Wakeman's not coming back again, um, <laughs> then you think, okay, maybe they can get Jeff Downs or maybe Tom Brislin if he's not busy or maybe even ask Patrick Jordan Rudis, who knows? Right, but Steve Howe having a good rapport with Oliver is like, all right, let's bring Oliver Wakeman. And, and Rick and, rec recommended him. Yeah, well, I think Steve, well. I think Rick well, recommended like him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the details kind of get muddied, like the order in which things happened. But yeah, like, and Oliver did such a great job with um, the touring and with From a Page, and he's a good gent and yeah. Yes. What was the most surprising uh, t detail to you that we learned? Off the top of my head, I think. I think it's when Billy Sherwood was on. And he was going through the whole chronological line of events and it, I've just kind of felt a shadow across my heart when he said by the end of the talk tour and they all got off the plane, they weren't even talk like people weren't even saying he was observing 
that they weren't even saying goodbye to each other. Was it the talk tour or? Yeah. Like, okay. It was clearly the talk tour that they weren't even, like there wasn't any group hug. Hey, great tour. Man. It was like they just kind of evaporated in their own directions. And that that's not how I see that band. It's not how I perceive their relationships. Um, okay. Because I was wondering if it was then or if it was after um, Rick announced uh his departure in 97 i'd have to go back and look go but back. yeah sometimes I, sometimes in the band there are those moments where like not everyone's happy with everything going I've on i've been there so. <laughs> yeah and like yes it's had such a huge history so it's bound to happen yeah. i'm know? i'm 98.3765 percent sure it was when the talk tour ended okay yeah it's and, been and forever I, I, since i've watched but oh yeah yeah I say that because as he described it, I had an image in my head and I can still reach back to that self-imagined reel in my head. Okay. So, but um, what's, what, do you have a favorite episode that's not an interview episode? Because that'd be hard to, to choose, you know, but what's your favorite, I have mine. What's your favorite episode that's not an interview episode? So... I'm trying to think of like something within the past year because I kind of don't want to repeat myself from like the year before. That but, would be um, okay because I don't remember what it, what it is. <laughs> um, well, one episode that uh, was interesting and it actually is the YouTube upload with the most views, uh, funny enough, uh, was when we had Joe Cass on and we were talking about the uh, John Anderson and the band geeks uh, tour that happened recently oh, yeah. and sort of like talking about there, kind of did their, a review. Yeah. Cause he was able to attend one of those shows firsthand and we were kind of giving our, um, our perspective of like the band geeks way of doing the yes music. And so, yeah, I think that's one that stands out. Um, Although, I don't know, does that count as, well, I guess yeah. it's not technically an interview because it was more like shooting that shit, talking about uh, that tour. But yeah. what about you? For me, it, it's been the first, I think it was the first Roger Dean birthday we did where we had everybody ahead of time vote on their favorite piece of Roger's work. And during that episode, every time we cited a piece of work, we showed it on the screen. It's a very visual episode, and it really shows the breadth of his work, not just Yes in Asia, the obvious, but Uriah Heep and Greenslade and so many other things. And, and that is probably my favorite episode that was not um, an interview. I, I dug that. He's my second favorite artist. My first being my wife, Enja. Um, and I grew up with him as, as uh, I've been into art. My mother was an artist. And it, it that was fun. And, and the shocking revelation that the number one album cover voted on by most people was the one with the least amount of color in it, which is Relayer. That was the number one favorite Roger Dean album uh, by every Roger Dean album cover that everyone voted on. And I thought that was really cool because it's not what you would expect. I would expect Tales. I would expect maybe 
close to the edge. Um, the latter is beautiful. There's so many. The a first, second Asia album, both of those. But it's relayered. The one with the has one sort of chromatic color palette, and that's it. And I thought that was really telling, really interesting. And I yeah. think the one that people might have also said that the music that fit the music the most. Oh yeah. Right. I think we did. Yeah, we did that the year after. Yeah. Right. Right. So that. Yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah. So it's been a fun couple of years. Um, I drive Steve crazy, probably <laughs> on an almost daily basis, working together with Drum Talk TV. Talk to him multiple times a day. I do my best to mix in something personal and not just work stuff. Uh, try not to bug him on Sundays unless we're doing a show. So I want to thank you so much for putting up with that. And on top of all that, being willing to spend this time with me doing this because I think most people would probably be sick of their dad by now. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Like, th thank you for like being able to run the technology side of things. And, um, also for like being open to like the idea, like, it, I think it helps out. We both like try to hear each other out on like, things we might want to try and yeah. when it comes to like different topics and stuff and uh so so yeah. on that note one one last thing for me on the two years one of my favorite things is uh reminiscing on the fact that when we were in san francisco and we stayed at a hotel near the gallery one night we just had this fucking brain dump of ideas like steve couldn't type quick enough quickly enough and we dumped out like 20 something show ideas and we've gotten through maybe a third of them. We also get ideas from viewers. And that that was really a fun night because I think we realized what the boundaries were not with the show because we just came, kept coming up with all these fun ideas. And it wasn't just about, let's just talk about this album and review this book and do this interview. It was so much more. Right, yeah. And one of the... Uh, I guess he could call it series that we've done across the show is first solo album since joining Yes. Right. And that was fun. Yeah. And um, this next topic kind of falls into that. And we figure since like his birthday is coming up and we are kind of completists when it comes to like these topics, we might as well cover it here. Uh, so. Igor Koroshev, of course, you know, there's the controversy and it's understandable that the band parted ways with him, but let's talk about the music on this solo album that he put out. Um, I think this was in October, 1999. So shortly after the latter came out. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know if you're showing the yeah. artwork for this. Yep. Yeah, so this is Piano Works. And this has eight tracks on it. The Blue Rider, Don Quixote, Barlegro, Nocturne 37, Dance Impressions in D Major, Dreamer, The Kiss, and Picasso. And so, before, before you go on, if you don't yeah. mind, um, I just want to mention to people, before you pile on to the controversy, whatever negativity of Igor's behavior and why that all went down, please set that aside for a minute. We all have musical heroes that have done things that are not above board, let's just say. Some 
I mean, the spectrum from Phil Spector all the way to whatever. Someone just being drunk all the time and getting fired from Black Sabbath. Whatever. Let's just set that aside and talk about his musicality. Right. Because yeah, the, and... la the latter is one of my favorite Yes albums. And it's not like I'm young and that's my introduction to Yes, so I'm tied to it for those reasons. This is a fan from 1971. And the latter is one of the most well-produced albums, one of the best songwriting albums, one of the most diverse songs, uh, collections, one of the most the best playing. And I really love his work on that. And it's kind of a one-off lineup because Open Your Eyes didn't really have that lineup. There were other people that yeah. had their hands at Billy played keyboards. We had Miss Ricaro on there as well. So it's kind of a one-off thing that went so well. And to hear this album we're talking about, I must admit, I was genuinely extremely impressed on how mature the music is and the traces of some things I heard. I know you're going to talk about this, even though we haven't yet. Um, in his influence from Rick Wakeman, and I believe Keith Emerson as well, when it comes to piano concertos and things like that. It's just, it's so well done. It's great work by music, if you will. Right, yeah. And yeah, what I was gonna say, obviously not excusing his behavior, but we're talking about the music, you right. know? Um, so, and for context, the idea for this album was it's based on how Igor perceived art by such famous painters like Kandinsky, who did the Blue Rider painting, Picasso, Klimt, uh, who did the Kiss painting, which I'm pretty sure I've seen in art history class back in high school, Monet and Degas. Um, and I do hear a Wakeman influence potentially on something like the Blue Rider uh, Barlegro, I kind of wondered if there was a Patrick Mraz influence. Oh, I kind of got that vibe there. I didn't think of that. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, with dance impressions in D major, what's kind of interesting is that um, the whole do, 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 like that type of sound, it reminded me of what Trevor Rabin would do later for his song Market Street on his Jacaranda solo album. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, oh, let me just read a couple comments real quick. Brian Breen says, watching from Louisiana. Thanks for all the great yes talk. Robert Nasir, greetings from Motown, and thanks for all the great episodes. Thank you. Jo yeah, Joe Cass says, Igor was incredible, both studio and live. From There's always a troll. <laughs> from a solo on Fortune Seller to all of the latter. Uh, oh, Robert says, uh, the latter and the accompanying tour were epic, all kinds of awesome. So... Yeah, I think there might have been like some overlap in terms of recording. I'm not sure if he recorded the latter first or and then piano works or if he did them simultaneously. But by then he'd been integrated into Yes, you know, he had toured with them. And so how do you think working with Yes influenced this album and how Yes does it sound to your ears? I don't know. I... I honestly think it's less influenced from working with Yes as it is by influenced by the Yes keyboard players. Mm. Um, I mentioned um, a couple albums by Rick, and I mentioned Keith Emerson, and you mentioned Patrick, which I didn't even think of, but I agree. 
So I think the influence is more of the players before he was ever in Yes than it is from playing in Yes. Okay. Yeah, I get that too. Do you agree I, or do you think otherwise? Do you yeah, agree or but, are you wrong? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're, I, I, I totally, I think I'm in agreement with you. Um, like this, when I think of Yes music, I don't, normally think of like solely the piano bits like if anything this reminds me more of yes members solo stuff so maybe it's like less than 10 percent yes ish to me um what's interesting about these albums that we've talked about where it's like the first solo album since joining yes is that rarely do we ever talk about a solo album where it's truly one person playing everything let alone just oh, one type of instrument great point rather than having guests let alone or accompanists let alone everybody on the album that was in yes <laughs> like why is that right. not a yes album <laughs> how is the steve howe album and beginnings not a yes album you know how is fish out of water not a yes album how you know that that's a whole other show that's a whole other discussion yeah. but i think it, it warrants discussion but you're right there's there's are there any others besides this well john anderson uh, he might have had one or two people play a little thing on here elias? And there, but but yeah on elias but he played most of the instruments but even then it's like there are various instruments there whereas here it's mainly it's pretty much just the piano right. which sets it aside from all those other albums we've talked about so what about. was rick's first solo album after joining yes the six lives of henry the eighth oh and that and, included other people yeah yeah Interesting. and um yeah. i also think that maybe this album or maybe just igor's piano <laughs> playing excuse in me piano <laughs> excuse me uh, <laughs> excuse me you okay <laughs> yeah just sneezing allergies sorry <laughs> right uh so oh joe cast says john claims that elias was all or mostly him can't recall exactly and brian brain chiming in again says the latter totally rocks fantastic songwriting homeworld compares well with the classic mini epics such as siberian katru oh, wow. um, heart of the sunrise etc nine voices face to face finally are all brilliant yes miniatures of Igor's playing as well on the latter and as well as all the others on that album so uh, and what I was going to say is that I think maybe Igor's style on the piano um, may have influenced John Anderson uh, a bit. Um, they were actually going to do like a collaboration album called True You, True Me. Oh. It was, yeah, it was, um, they were talking about it in like March of 2000, I think. But then, of course, the stuff went down and uh, didn't come out. I think it was going to come out that autumn and... No, it's understandable that wouldn't come out, but I think that the piano playing, um, there's a moment in the middle of Blue Rider that felt melancholic, and it kind of reminded me of the John Anderson song Clouds that would end up on Survival and Other Stories. And like even in the early to mid-2000s, when he would start doing like solo playing, like solo tours, um, he started playing a bit of piano, and that part of that came from when he had a back injury and had to like sort of like pass the time but i i suspect that maybe igor's style may have like you know john may have been bitten by that piano bug oh. like that desire to try out some more piano you know 
the meeting he did with Rick yeah. is beautiful. And I find it interesting that that found its way into the songs from Tsongas, even though it's not a yes song, technically. Right. Um, soon could have been in there. Um, that's interesting. So here's a, here's a question regarding Igor. If they had not, for lack of better words, kicked him out of the band, and instead, yeah, like like if things had, like if he hadn't done the, th yeah. Well, let's say he had, but if they hadn't kicked him out, and if John did that, and if he was on the next album, do you think that would have kind of buried that situation, and things would just kept moving with him? Or would that have been what they were afraid of that would have tainted the whole yes image? I, I know think, it's hard to say. We're just prognosticating bullshit. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how people in general would have reacted. I, I think maybe... Um, it, I think to an extent it would have been a tough sell. But, but, but would it have even been public if they didn't kick him out? Would we have known about it? No, yeah, there was an article about it, and okay. um, when things like that happen, it should be known, in my opinion. Like, yeah, you, you know, it's yeah, absolutely. Um, I do think that, you know, if things had happened differently, and he had still been in the band under ideal circumstances, you know, let's say everyone like behaved well, I think Rick still would have come back at like after. Um, the 2001 tour, like in 2002, I think Rick would have still come back oh. uh, beca because of what Billy said in our interview with him. Like when he, Billy left, he said That's true. The, the vibes felt like they wanted to get Rick back eventually. So I think some people imagine that maybe Igor could have remained for a really long time. But I, I suspect that maybe, you know, as much as they might have liked the music with him, that they maybe still wanted to get Rick back at some point, if that makes sense. It does. So here's a question for you. Do you think the current lineup will be the first lineup to record three albums with the same lineup? Because for those of you who don't know, there's never been a Yes lineup that has lasted more than two albums in a row. Could this be the first? I think it is. If, right. if Jay... Well, yeah, the They'd thing need is two more albums with this lineup. Yeah, because with the quest they still had Alan, and they still want to make another album after Mirror to the Sky. So, so Steve I, would be seventy eight or seventy nine at that point. Yeah, I think there's a good possibility. Like, if any lineup could do it, it's this one. And yeah, yeah. And as long as they progress from there. where they are, which I'm very happy with, would be that'd be great. Not only I don't mean progress as in get better. I mean this album compared to heaven and earth is light years apart i mentioned that this album is probably the first album since the latter that has the production that sounds closest to keys and has that yes sound if you know what i mean yeah i, I totally get what you mean what's interesting is mirror to the sky you know, it's not necessarily uniting everyone, but it's uniting at least a segment of the fandom. You know, some people who've been supporting Yes, even after the changes post-Anderson, and some of the fans who haven't been on board with that, but have given this album a chance are sort of like embracing this album. So there's been like a little bit of overlap between the two, thanks to this album, which is interesting to see, you know? 
Right. And I want to bring up some things that are coming up, but I'm going to text you something because okay. I don't, I don't know if it's firmed up and I don't know if we can mention it, but okay. we can mention Joe Cass, which yeah. is just in tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow's 7 PM Pacific, 10 PM Eastern. We're having him on to talk about, um, a YouTube playlist that, yeah, I'm reading it. That, um, uh, it's like an Master official bootleg. Yeah, like Total Mastertain, unofficial bootleg, uh, recorded the weekend of what would have been Chris Squire's birthday. There's some neat deep cuts, so we'll be talking about that. It's a tribute to tomorrow. Chris. It's going to be great. We're really excited about it. We're meeting with Joe earlier in the day to sort out the content and everything, and then um, we're all going to wear furry boots and a cape for the interview. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, okay, thanks. All yeah, right. you're welcome. So we have uh, we have a couple of things in the works we can't quite talk about yet. Uh, so we got Joe coming up on Wednesday, and then we we reschedule with Kevin Godley on yeah August ninth. Oh, August ninth, and and we also have okay. Dave Cousins yeah. from the Straubs on the twenty second. Twenty second. And on August 19th, we're having Ted Stockwell and Kevin Curry from the original lineup of Alan White's band, White. And, uh, and we're going to talk about some things that we talked about in a recent Alan White birthday episode where there's some unpublished White material, and they saw that and reached out, and they want to talk about that. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, so thanks to our one of our viewers, Sanders, for mentioning how you were curious about those uh, white albums, and they listened to it, the the episode, and then reached out to us. So yeah, yeah. And like, everybody say hi to Alan. Yeah, that's Alan. That's me. Oh yeah, and you're pointing at the picture, picture of you and Alan. Yeah, and and the little baby is Stephen's older brother when he was two weeks old. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's piano works. And again, you know, Picasso, you know, that's another connection. Uh, John Anderson, you know, right. have that song Picasso. Uh, this is a different uh, composition, of course. But yeah, just interesting how there's a similar influences. And then if we jump in the time machine, check this out. Something's coming. The BBC recordings, 1969 to 1970. All I could say is this, and this is all that needs to be said about this, and then we can move on. The only way to start out a concert and an album and a recording is with a song that starts with a drum solo. Okay, next topic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, no, seriously, so this is, oops, wrong, wrong image. Oh, oops, I X'd out of that. The, oops, uh-oh, sorry. Um, this is really a great album. Um, yeah, the, and we're talking about this because Peter Banks' birthday is also coming up. Right. And, and the, I also got the um, the American version uh, titled Beyond and Before, funny enough. It's one of the things I got for my music hall, which I'll talk about in a little bit after we go over this. Yeah, the energy um, in this, <sighs> there's so many things that come with that. And I think every musician over the age of 35 should listen to this because there's a youthfulness to the energy. There's the, uh, Steve's showing the poster. 
there's <laughs> there's the youthfulness, there's the rawness, there's the chemistry, the improvisationism. There's so many things that go with it where these effers just lit the rocket and and let it just sidewind all over the place and bounce off the walls. And that's what music should really be about. And one of the things that really gripped me, considering this is a live broadcast, look at the packaging. Is that yeah, Gottlieb Brothers as got, well? Um, I don't know, but there's like ads for stuff around that time. This came out oh, 97 in 97 in the UK um, and 98 in the US. But How clever. You see Keys 2, Keys to Ascension 2, and John Anderson's The More You Know and a few other things. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Peter Banks even wrote the liner notes, which I'll talk about in a moment. But okay, um, I was gonna say, um, um, you're talking about like, the energy and um, the energy. Oh, oh, the thing that gripped me the most, as wonderful as the music and the jamming and all that is, the fact that these are live. And those vocals are what they are. Whatever you think of in your mind, no matter what type of Yes fan you are, no matter when you entered the Yes verse, what you hear there is what canonized the Yes vocal choral group. And it's amazing that it's live. Like, I had to remind myself, this is live. And it's, it's angelic. It's amazing. It and really is. It's, I would love to hear a version of this with just the vocals. Yeah. And it's funny because you get John doing scat singing at the beginning of one of these. You see like how into it he is. And of course, Peter Banks with that guitar sound back when, yes, like this is early yes. And they're so raw and like going on and on and uh, some of the tracks on here repeat and um, in the liner notes, he talks about how some people forget that Yes started as a covers band. So uh, you, you have songs on here like Something's Coming, Every Days. So those are covers. But you also got Sweetness, Dear Father, Every Little Thing. That's another one. Looking Around, uh, Sweet Dreams, Then, No Opportunity Necessary, um, Astral Traveler, and for everyone which has a bit of what ended up in starship trooper uh and beyond and before and what's, uh, there, what's your there favorite? are a few i didn't repeat because they repeat but they're different versions different performances what's your favorite yes cover um well funny enough i think it's probably america and uh one of the things that happened during the john anderson Q and A from a few weeks ago is someone said that they thought America by Yes was an improvement over the uh, the original version, and then John was like, "No, no, Paul Simon, Paul Simon." Like he was very humble. Um, but I, I do think that personally, I prefer Yes's version of America. It has more of what I look for in music. If that uh, makes for, sense for me. I love the live version of America from the Open Your Eyes and the Ladder Tour. I think it's outstanding. And I do know that Paul saw a show and complimented Steve on the, the extra guitar stuff he did. My favorite Yes covers are America and Roundabout. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, what's funny is a bit of Roundabout um, was in that longer version of America they did on the Yes album tour before oh, Tony right. K left. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I like that they got uh, Peter Banks to do the liner notes for this yeah. back in the late 90s. He's very candid about the band members, you know, the positives and the negatives. And, um, you know, some things could have like turned out better, but it's still great that they were able to get him to do this when he could have very well just like ignored it and be like, yeah, whatever, you know? Yeah. Jeez, I've reached for a book and one of the dogs just freaked out. Um, I can't reach it. One of the other episodes we have coming up, I just realized is we're reviewing Trevor Horn's biography coming up on this Saturday, correct, Steve? Yeah. I almost called you Alex. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah, so uh, again, and that's why we're uh, saving like Trevor Horn stuff for that episode because that yeah. book is like, there's a lot to talk about there. Like I mean, that, there's a lot that you can much talk in about. nine hours of Steve reading it on a recording. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot you could talk about with the BBC recordings, but uh, the main thing I wanted to, I guess, uh, the main question I want to ask you about this is, do you think that this is more for people who, um, like, maybe haven't gotten into early yes and want to dip their toe into it? Or do you think this is more for the people who are familiar with those first two albums and want to hear more of them live or on the radio and whatnot? That's a great question. I, I truly believe it's for not only both, but for someone like me in their 60s to say, or someone in their 40s for that matter, or 30s, to say to a young musician, this is what turning your shit on and just going for it sounds like. You know, <laughs> to be adventurous, be creative, let it all spill out and listen to each other, be attentive to the other musicians in the band. I think there's a lesson of that in there. Um, so I really think it's for everybody. It's definitely for everyone. That that's right. <laughs> it's definitely for people who may not be familiar with the older stuff, but for people who are familiar with the first two or three albums, two albums, to to hear them perform it if they've never heard that, because there's not a lot of that out there. This is probably the biggest body of that work, right? Live. Yeah, probably. Um, what's funny is with some of the tracks on here, since there's like radio edits of the performances, like on a couple of these or a few of these, they omit certain sections. And it's like, oh, man, I kind of miss that section. Yeah, but I, I also appreciate preserving the history of like how it sounded on the radio. Like they even have a track where you hear the announcer um, and whatnot before Sweetness. And the fidelity know? is outstanding, which right. is great considering the time. There's some other comments there. Can you read those, please? I can't quite oh, yeah. make them out unless, wait, maybe I... Uh, Robert Nasir posted music notes emoji. Uh, Joe Cass says, you guys rock. We know. Keep going, uh, Steve. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Yeah, and um, yeah, so this album was one of a few things I got at my music hall, which I guess we could go into. Yeah, um, are, let's are go into that. Let's check the time real quick. Okay, you got three minutes. No, <laughs> 10. All right. Well, are we ending in 10 minutes or? Uh, you know, just use your own discretion. 
So for those who don't know, and that'd be everybody, our AC, we live in Arizona. Our AC was off since yesterday. It was 93 in the house. We have three dogs, two cats, my wife and I, and everyone was just like moving and slow. So we're kind of in recovery mode. We kind of got it working. We'll see how it works uh, okay. out. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try to. All right, I'll try to. Music halls are this. cool. You got some neat stuff, yeah. too. Yeah, so I went to Amoeba Music in Hollywood. Oh, um, wow, they're still there? Yeah, my friend Max from England, uh, it, he this was before he had to leave, so we did one last hangout. Uh, his when friend was, was there as well. Uh, this was three weeks ago. Wow, cool. Um, yeah, so I was just like browsing around. I don't remember if I was in the A section or the Y section, but I was like, surely like they wouldn't have like a John Anderson solo album here, right? And I like was looking through, and it funny enough, they did have it, and it was the one I was kind of thinking of. It was his song oh, wow. of seven, his second yeah. solo album. Um, and so I was like really surprised to see that. And I was like, okay, I, I know this album like, f like very well, but I'm going to get it anyway. Um, and I <laughs> looked through the yes section and they file some of the yes members solo stuff there, which is smart. Cause like, if they wouldn't know where to of, look for it. Yeah. If you're a fan of yes, you'll probably look for their solo stuff. So might as well put it all in one place. So they, they had, um, something by steve howe there i think it was turbulence they have billy sherwood's no comment um i think a couple of rick wakeman things and they had a couple abwh vinyls uh as well they had like a, either in cd or vinyl form they had uh every yes album from the first one to going for the one and wow. then maybe drama and definitely 90125 uh, nothing beyond that except Mirror to the Sky, which it looked like they had like the book version of it. Interesting. Um, yeah, but um, one of the other things I found there was uh, Anderson Ponty Band, Better Late Than Never. Oh, wow. And, yeah, this came with the CD and DVD. Hold it so, up higher, please. Yeah. So the audio is great. The video, uh, the DVD omits three songs, but includes interview snippets in between songs the performance looks and sounds great but uh what i kind of don't like is how in the video there's like this uh, edited glowing effect and uh some bright lights that are added into it which oh. we see on some of john's youtube uploads and maybe it's to convey that feels like a heavenly plane but to me it was kind of just distracting like there were some visuals that were inserted that looked cool but um, when I see the band live, I just want to see the band for yeah, the most part, you know. When did that come out? This came out in uh, 2015. It was recorded 2014. And who's the drummer? Uh, the drummer is Rayford Griffin, also did percussion. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, and I was debating, like, for vinyl, whether to get, like, ABWH. You know, they had a colored vinyl, I guess, and they also had... Um, a version that I, I think also was had something unique with the disc, but the outer artwork looked kind of blurry or faded in a way. But wow. um, there is also the debut Yes album. There's an orange-ish version of the logo, but I I knew I had to get my favorite Yes album, so I got Tales oh. from Topographic. Wow. Questions. 
So if you open it up in the crease, does it have like marijuana seeds like mine does? <laughs> just kidding. That's <laughs> not the. Um... That is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> is that yeah, an just... original pressing? Uh, no, this is a 2016 uh, pressing. The, How the hype... interesting. That, that's awesome. Yeah, the hype sticker said the 1973 double album that set the standard for prog rock lovingly reissued as a gatefold double LP. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, cool. so uh, that's a really fruitful music hall. So well, I um, they didn't have any uh, videos in the Yes DVD section. They do have a Yes section in the video section, but I'm guessing maybe they were either sold out and need to restock or what. But uh, this whole experience of going through the music store made me wonder, like, like what have been some of your um unique finds or surprising finds and what do you think the experience of looking for something in a music store adds to the overall experience of being a fan well the funny thing is i i think it's a record store to me a music store is where they sell musical instruments a record store is where they where you went uh well you could have told me that before i put the ad out <laughs> <laughs> i didn't i but, but that's okay. That's semantics. I can't remember the last time I went to a record store. But I remember my favorite, favorite time. In one visit, I got brain salad surgery, welcome back my friends to the show that never ends, close to the edge, and yes songs in one day. Those four albums which are probably eight hours of music and then the thing i got after that was tales from topographic oceans on a separate visit but that first visit i'll never forget that it's on it was a place that was on topanga canyon boulevard a block south of ventura boulevard called mole music i think it was called mole music and something else And this was, this was 1977, maybe, something like that, okay. 76, maybe, 76, 77. And this place was so cool, and it was a small place. Um, and, and I don't remember going to record stores after that, strangely enough, other than meeting Asia at Tower Records on in Sunset. Oh, that's not correct. There was a place in the San Fernando Valley where I grew up, uh, also on Topanga at, <coughs> excuse me, Victory <coughs> Licorice Pizza was a chain back then. And I used to go there and um, I bought, I remember getting Fog Hat Live. I remember getting some Rush stuff. And this is in the, early 80s, late 70s. Um, I would love to go to a record store that's just nothing but albums and CDs and Blu-ray and DVDs like, like you experience. We should go to Amoeba Music next time I'm out there. Yeah, and I looked it up. It's considered a music store as well. So I guess music stores aren't just instruments. But okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah. How times have changed. <laughs> hey, I, used to, I but, remember um, when they called it a record store, and now there's hardly any records, but they're coming back. 
Yeah. And I think that the experience, you know, shopping for music products on the internet is still very valid. I mean, it's how I got oh, married yeah. to the sky, but I think there's also something magical about going to a store and seeing that your fandom is represented and, um, and, and you and I are both into books. You know, we collect old books, you write books, you're into books. It's like going yeah. into a bookstore, the, yeah, the aroma, the physical yeah. thing. It, there's a, a smell to it, you know? Yeah. And like when you see the artist you're familiar with, even if it's a compilation album, like the 35th anniversary collection, it's like, okay, yeah, might as well leave with something. But yeah. one of the other um, cool finds I remember one time, I think when I was visiting you in Vegas back in... 2009 was I got the word is live for just 10 oh, bucks yeah. and I think it's because it had like this um this damage here which I that's maybe not are... damage that's um I forgot what that's called there's a name for for that uh okay I don't remember but well but what point is it, it, yeah it was cheaper than you would normally like get half it price or so yeah well maybe even quarter price yeah but, yeah um but yeah, I really like that experience. Uh, it's kind of like a scavenger hunt, you know? Yeah. Have we? I don't think we've ever done that. I, when you were young, I used to take you to comic book stores, but we've never been to a music store. I don't know. A, a few times at least, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, why don't I remember that? I mean, it was so long ago. It's you know? not that it wasn't meaningful to me. It's because I got brain burn from diabetes. <laughs> Chalk it up to that. Right. Um, so, uh, do you have any other like music store experiences or should I blaze through these John Anderson Q and a highlights? Yeah. Blaze through the highlights. Cause I, I don't, those are my fondest memories of going and picking out records and stuff. Okay. Stealing them. That's another story. <laughs> All right. So, uh, this was on June 20th. Uh, John said he found a song the day before and couldn't remember the musician who sent the piano, uh, but sang it 12 years ago and never released it. Probably but, Igor. But he said, no, it's not. But he said as a song, it works perfectly for the Zamran experience, you know, the sequel to Eliza yeah. Hello. Um, and later he played a, a, a track, the recording to us. I don't know if it was the same recording or something else, but uh, it was something called Buildings, which uh, he hmm. wrote five songs with Jimmy Hahn 10 years ago. And forgot oh. all about it. And so he played Buildings. And it was a very beautiful sounding song. And he was like, uh, it, it will be part of Zamran. Two days ago, I didn't know about it. And he said that Realizationing and Without You are a couple others that'll be on Zamran. Is that an Asia song? <laughs> Without you. Right. Um, and he said he once told Jean-Luc Ponty that they should tour France and England, but that didn't end up happening. Uh, he says that whenever he and Jane go somewhere, they make sure they have a balcony room where they can get fresh air, except for New York. <laughs> so a funny little... <laughs> I got to tell Andrew that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was thinking Andrew would love to hear that. Um <laughs> And let's see, uh, just a couple more things. Uh, he says funny. Opus Opus uh, needs to get the mixes done. Uh, he recalled back in 1973, a university played Yours is No Disgrace and Starship Trooper, which was very cool because, you know, those are long songs. 
uh someone in the chat pointed out that the gates of delirium like if you just take the first letter of each word spells out t god and john's mind was blown when that wait was if you out. what if you what the gates of delirium like if you make it an acronym it it kind of has god there gates of delirium whoa yeah, that was John's reaction. Um, <laughs> and he told a nice story about the lyrics to Horizon, like how he came to them, you know, the John and Vangelis song. Yeah. Uh, so he was recording with the Vangelis in Athens, with him for three days, did sketches of ideas and said, why don't we do a long piece of music? Vangelis agreed and uh, it was easy. John was um, saw it as a teaching lesson. Uh, he talked about how, like, in the old days, Steve Howe would come up with an idea and then they would see what the band could do. But Vangelis was like a full orchestra. So John mimics ideas as he is singing. Um, a lot of the lyrics felt implanted in the piece, but some of it wasn't. So John decided to go leave his hotel overlooking the ocean to go to another island. And he got on a boat that went from island to island, got off at Ehedra. Uh, felt like he felt like an artist with a pen and cassette, etc. Uh, so he was overlooking uh, an open air cinema, and on the screen was Spartacus at, at that hotel. Uh, oh. But he noticed a small marketplace where the boats were, so and there were donkeys to the side. So he asked someone where uh, the donkeys on the roads goes, and and the guy said it goes to a monastery. So John rented a donkey went to the monastery and he was listening to Sibelius on headphones. Uh, the trip took an hour and a half uh, to get to the top, went to the big doors of the monastery, used a knocker, the window shutter opened. He said it was very much like Monty Python. Um, <laughs> and the guy said, what do you want? And John said, I want to visit the monastery. And the guy said, I'm sorry, we're closed. And uh, John <laughs> thought that that was funny. And we went back to his apartment hotel room and wrote the lyrics to Horizon like they just poured out. So. That was funny. How funny, yeah. Yeah. Um, there might your be mother was a hamster and your father smelled of elderberry. Now go boil your bottom onto other food drop water, you silly nigga. Did he say that? <laughs> That'd be perfect. Right. Um, <laughs> there was... Uh, he talked a bit about the Band Geeks and the Rock Academy. The Rock Academy actually started their tour with him in Europe... Uh, this week so oh. uh, that should be fun for people over there um uh he mentioned books that influenced him in the 70s the finding of the third eye by vera stanley older who was married to rowan hunt who wrote fragrant and radiant healing symphony of course he mentioned autobiography of a yogi and bill bruford's wedding um and also herman hess's journey to the east um Oh, someone mentioned that Elton's John, Elton John's autobiography mentions that John Anderson is an interest, was an interesting neighbor in London. And then really? John recalled bumping into Bernie Taupin, you know, who worked with Elton John at a party because uh, he loved everything he'd written, um, uh, like that Bernie had written uh, three albums in the mid-70s I I've written here. Uh, the first tour Yes did was with The Who, Small Faces, and Rod Stewart. You know, this is John sort of reminiscing. Uh, he was like, and we were little Yes. Um, and John and Jane uh, went to see Elton in Vegas five years ago. Oh. Uh, John got in touch with the roadie and said he'd love to say hello to Elton after the show. And during the show, uh, 
Elton said he'd love to sing a song for a friend. And John says it was uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Uh, so I guess I was like mentioning him as a friend. Wow. Um, he also, John also recalled opening for King Crimson and Proc Harem at Academy of Music. Uh, yes, did a show with the Kings at the famous theater in New York. Uh, remembers someone hit him on the shoulder and it was Ray Davis and who said 50 minutes, that's all you've got, don't go over. And so when they get to the 50 minutes, John looked over at Chris and said, think we can do one more. And so they start yours is no disgrace. And uh, sang, he sang the beginning of Siberian Kachur as he was telling us this, but uh, back in the story, he's like, and then the equipment went off. So that was like really eerie. <laughs> That's um, funny. Yeah. Also, um, shout out to Dave Watkinson, who put out an article on Yes World. I just remembered about Yes's gig at Ronnie Scott's Club in July 2nd, 1969. It's a nice article. Excuse me. But yeah, those are the highlights. Um, sometimes there are things where john mentions where he says just keep this between us and i don't mention the things where he explicitly says like to keep this between because it's just for us. patreon members right so yeah, yeah and i, I want to read a, a comment from gina gina castilla says those are great finds going back to your record store hall music store hall i love yeah. shopping at record stores i think it's music stores according to steve and gina <laughs> i love shopping at record <laughs> stores it keeps moving um, I think it's the most fun to find albums in the wild, as I call it. That's how I found most of my Yes records. I'll still break down and buy online occasionally, though recently had to do that for Steve Howe's solo albums. Very cool. Thanks for chiming in with that. I need to go to a darn record store. There's nothing, of course, up here. For those who don't know, I live in a <laughs> very small mountain town. There's no record store here or music store, so I'll have to do that. When I'm down in Phoenix, which will be, I think, next Tuesday. All right. Yeah, so that's pretty much everything, I think. Any other thoughts before we close out with this Just anniversary show? Two years went by really quick. Um, I'm proud of what we've done. It's been fun. It's been even more fun being that it was with you, my favorite son named Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that I'm looking forward to another two years. We were able to recap our two years, talk about some things coming up. Talk about your record hall, and there's a lot going on. Yeah, so How join us. Uh, oh, yes. Um, well, I'm blanking out. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just wild. Like, that's been two years, and we're not stopping. We There's people we still want to talk to that we're going to talk to, and there's topics that you and I want to talk to just with the two of us together, and it's yeah. always fun to talk about yes yes members and uh, even bands and uh, musicians who are somewhat associated i saw that focus announced a tour for i think next year and yeah. you know they have like the roger dean font on the tour dates i think so that's oh, wow. like a little connection there um cool. and yeah there's like a lot of stuff going on with yes members past and present and uh sometimes we try to get to all of it but sometimes you know time like we're kind of confined by time, but there's just so much going on. Like, check it out. Like, DBA have a new album coming out in September, Celestial Songs. Um, and there's always archival stuff popping yeah. up on, like, YouTube and whatnot and on, like, music websites. So, yeah, it's a great time to be alive for fans like us. 
Absolutely. So look for us tomorrow. Well, depending on when you're watching this, that would be July 12th. We're going to be with Joe Cass reviewing the big show that they did, a tribute to Chris Squire. You can reach out to us, send ideas, or give us feedback at yesshiftpodcast at gmail.com. You could follow us on an audio-only podcast at yes, at anchor.fm slash yesshift. And you can follow us at www.facebook.com slash Yes Shift or YouTube.com slash at Yes Shift. Yeah. And last comment from Kevin Pearson. Congratulations on your two year mark. Love your show. Thank you. It really warms our hearts when we hear that people are enjoying this and it keeps us going. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially since this is not our main gig. It, it means a lot to us. So thank you, everybody. Yeah. And thank you, Steve. Yeah, thank you, Dad. Absolutely. And folks, we will see you very soon. Thanks. Soon, oh soon, the light pass within. <laughs>